We mentioned Mary Ellen before, um, and we depend on Mary Ellen for, uh, now, that, now that it's out there, that we've established an expectation, and I, and I hope I have established an expectation. If you've had Mary Ellen's lemon bars, then, then you have an expectation of something that just melts in your mouth, Okay. And young people, when you come on that night that, that we're going to feature Mary Ellen's Lemon Bars, well, you're just going to be really glad that you came that night to youth group. Imagine, though, we can depend on Mary Ellen for Lemon Bars. Imagine, though, and I, I didn't ask Mary Ellen if I could use her as my illustration today but she's a good sport imagine if we were depending on Mary Ellen to give birth to our Savior I mean what kind of objections would you have to that sort of thing What kind of, what 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 kind of unreasonable proposition is that? That's not even logical. That, that just it, it defies everything, all categories of 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 reasonable, right? Is it even possible? And yet, that's exactly what God was indicating to Sarah, who was roughly the same age. We, we got ourselves in a mess. We turned our back on God. Genesis chapter 3. And God said, I'm going to change all that. I'm going to reverse the curse that human beings have brought into the world by giving the world a Savior. And I'm going to begin the whole process by using one of the weakest and most vulnerable people to start this whole ball rolling. You know, every time we come into this place, I hope, I pray that you are experiencing and encounter with the living God because that's what we're supposed to experience when we come to church. Church is about God. And, and, and God includes us in His, in His plans. He includes us. I mean, we are, we are precious to Him. But, the, but that sense of, of being precious and being important comes from Him. It's because of Him. And so we're, 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 we need to emphasize Him and His person, and that's what the Bible does. The Bible emphasizes the Lord our God, the Creator, the, the sovereign Lord who rules over all, the transcendent God. 
But the Bible does that in such a way that it's, that it, that it's, that it's really fascinating. Because, because we're going to open up the Bible today, and we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 16, and we're going we're gonna to learn about God, but we're going to learn about God through an elderly woman and a slave girl and an elderly man. So we open up the Bible expecting to encounter God, and what we encounter first is an elderly woman who is incredibly, listen, incredibly disappointed with where her life is at in her present moment. Disillusioned. She can't have kids. Now, in our culture, in our culture, it's become, it's become almost liberating to not have children, right? Now, now for many of us, we, we don't think in those terms, but in, 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 the, in the broader culture, in the broader culture, we think, well, to not have kids is, is a legitimate choice, and it's, and it's liberating. I mean, I, 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 I just glanced at some, at, some, at some famous people who haven't had children, and they talk about how, how it's helped them in their career not to have this distraction. But, but for Sarah, having kids was, was, was critically important. To not have children was, was, to, was, to bear, was to bear a stigma and have a reputation of being, of being someone who, who God had turned his back on. And, 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 so, and so Sarah was, man, she was just, she was she, disappointed with life. On top of it all was the pressure. The pressure that, that, that came from, from God's words to Abram, her husband. Because, because to Abram, her husband, God had said, God had said, Abram, I've called you out of this, out of this country and from among this people, and I want to make you a key part, a significant part of my plan. And in order to do that, I'm going to bless the entire world through you. But in order to do that, you have to have a child. You will have a child. I will bless the world through you, through your seed. But Sarah was barren. Jude and I have experienced that. We've told you the story. Nine years without kids. And then these two girls, Bethany and Amber, my best friend at seminary, that was his daughter's. Decided, Uncle Dave needs children. So Amber and Bethany started praying. When kids pray, man, wow. When kids pray, lightning strikes four times. But in Sarah's case, there was, there was desperation. There was desperation. Ten years they had lived in this promised land as a family. And not even the hint of a pregnancy. 
And like I told you last week, it's, uh, you, you wonder if they were even able to, to, to do what it takes to have a baby. And if you don't know what it takes to have a baby, please consult your parents later. Now Sarah, Sarai, this is before her name is changed. Guys, the phone, put it on silent, please. Now Sarai, Abram's wife. Now, I want you to notice something before, before we, we, we get into this passage. I'm in Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. I want you to notice something. There's, there's, there, there are things to notice about every passage of Scripture. Okay, There's, there's things to notice that, that just are, are like keys that unlock the meaning. In this passage, notice this, okay, as you work through it with me. Whether you work through it on, on, on one of your devices or your smartphone or whether you work, with, or work through it with me in a, in a hard copy of the Bible. Notice this, that all the, all, the, all the people are identified by their roles. And it's very clear. It's very clear that Sarah has a husband. And her husband's name is Abram. Very clear. It's very clear who Hagar is in relationship to Abram. And Sarah. Very clear. And it's very clear who Sarah is, the wife of Abram. Those, those, things, those things are all very clear. Identities are very clear here. That's going to be important. Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She couldn't have kids. And there's this promise that's looming. It's just looming. The promise looming that, Abram, you're going to have children. You're going to have lots of children. Those children are going to have children. Those children are going to have children. Just stop me. Those children are going to have children until that all culminates in the Savior of the world being born a descendant of Abram. And so you turn to Matthew chapter 1, and the first thing you see is Jesus Christ, descendant of Abram, descendant of David. But Sarah can't have kids. Now here's a spiritual lesson okay, for all of us. Even when things look impossible, like Mary Ellen being able to bear a child, your understanding of God has to embrace those categories of impossibility. You understand what I'm saying? We don't serve, we're not related to the children of a tame or domesticated God. Someone who fits in the margins of our own limited thinking. Are you following me? He's the God of the impossible. And that should dictate our thinking and our actions. Sarah Ibn's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant, roles clearly defined, whose name was Hagar. 
And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Notice how she uses the Lord. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now, in and of itself, that statement is true. Right? The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She understands that life comes from God, that the life in the womb is from God. Yeah, there's a human process. Yeah, there's a biological process. But the life in the womb comes from God. God is the author of life, and God is responsible for death. God is Lord of life and death, and the, and, 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 and the empty womb is God's responsibility. So in one sense, she's absolutely correct. God has prevented me from having a baby, conceiving. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Now, this was culturally acceptable. culturally acceptable but cultural acceptability doesn't equate to moral morally responsible in other words it's culturally acceptable to have an abortion is it morally responsible no because because that that that's a that's a life okay that's a that's a life and by the way, uh, uh, you, see, you see how potentially this is a minefield? Let me say something to anybody who's had an abortion in this room, okay? And it would only be a female, okay? That was an attempt at a joke, but you guys didn't laugh. I'm just trying to diffuse the situation, okay? But if anybody's had an abortion, I mean, that's serious stuff, right? Okay, understand the grace of God. The grace of God made our worship leader forget where he was. But that's only scratching the surface of how significant and important the grace of God is in our lives. It doesn't matter what sin. God forgives. The death of Christ, the blood that he shed, covers every sin. So please understand that. Okay? When I say that 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 abortion's wrong, according to the morality of, of of God, but it's forgivable. She was culturally correct. This was a common practice. It was a common practice for 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 barren women who couldn't have children because of the pressure to have kids, because of the pressure to leave a legacy. Because of the pressure to, to, to have an heir to, to the things that were yours, there was this pressure. And Sarah, Sarah, we're going to say it this way because, because this is the way it is. Sarah succumbed to the pressure. But in her mind, it was, it was just, it was, it was common. It was normal. But, but here, here's the thing. God doesn't always call us to be common and normal. Right? In fact, seldom does God call us to be common and normal, especially in areas of faith. 
Who was her husband? Abram was her husband, right? Her husband. Her husband. It's very clear. And she was his wife. It's very clear. And Abram and Sarah are both familiar with Genesis chapter 2, which talks about marriage and what marriage should be. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with bringing a slave into your marriage. It may may be that I shall obtain children by her. And understand, please understand the tension. The tension. The pressure to conform to a a societal standard. The, the The personal struggle that she's having. Probably with her, with her, with her, with her, with her life as a woman in that culture. And, and on top of that, the, the pressure to produce a seed for Abram, which is critically important to the plan of God. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Now here's some advice, guys. Don't listen to your wife. I told you it was potentially explosive. Don't listen to your wife. <laughs> if, I, if, if you could see, if I could take a picture of some of your faces right now. It's golden. Don't listen to your wife. If, if, if looks could kill, Haley would have murdered me. When God, when God indicated to the first couple that there were, that there were implications of their, of their autonomy, their desire to live independently of him, what he said to Adam was, because you listen to your wife, this problem came into this world. There's more. Don't listen to your wife if she's wrong. Listen to your wife if she's right. My wife is right more than she's wrong. I'm wrong more than I'm right. It's a good thing for me to listen to my wife. But if my wife asks me to do something that I know God doesn't want me to do, or I know that it's forbidden, no matter how much pressure she applies, I can't do that. I can't listen to my wife. If she asks me to partake of forbidden fruit, can't do it. Sarah was asking Abram to partake of forbidden fruit. Because marriage is clearly defined in Genesis 2 as the union of one man and one woman. You introduce another woman into it, and you have all kinds of 
let's just call them complications. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, see, see the pressure? It's a decade. It's been a decade. That's a, that's, a, that's a long time waiting for an unfulfilled promise. What, what, is, what, is, what is God doing there? What is he after in delaying that gratification? That's so hard for us. It's so hard for us to wait, to wait, to wait, to wait. It's so hard. But it's so important. It's so important because as, as, as you wait, that, that growth, that, 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 that growth that's so essential in our lives takes place. As we grind it out every day, and there is a grind to life. It's not, and, that's, and that's okay, guys. It's okay that there's a grind to life. It's okay. But there's a grind to life, and we have to live waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, even if it's 10 years. There's no time limit. God exists in, 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 a, in a timeless now. And as we wait, there's, there's, there's great joy and fulfillment in just walking with Him. But they were there 10 years, and so there was pressure. And after 10 years, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Notice the, notice the term, her husband, is mentioned again, just to, just to make it clear who the husband and the wife are. And, the, and the, the, the slave girl introduced into the story as a slave girl, who's presented as a wife. And he went into Hagar. And she conceived. And boy, that caused a lot of problems in this family. When she saw that she had conceived, it turned the family upside down. The slave girl got cocky. The slave girl got arrogant she looked with contempt on her mistress now remember Abram and Sarah are a new Adam a new Eve a fresh start Adam and he failed Noah was a fresh start and he failed now what about Abram and Sarah? They need to be saved from their bad decisions, don't they? They need to be saved from their sinful behavior, don't they? This is not good. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. Boy, there's a fight in the family. 
This is tension, tension, tension. Tension and conflict in this family. Anybody ever have tension and conflict in their family? Anybody? Anybody that doesn't have tension and conflict in their family? May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now here's Sarah again, bringing up the Lord. Bringing up the Lord. Does Sarah have a case? <laughs> no, there's, there's, there, there's no case here. But look, this is important. Abram said to Sarah, Look, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Or what is due to her what is right in your eyes. And of course, that's, a, that's, a, that's an expression that, that occurs over and over in the Bible. Do what is right in your eyes. Anytime we do what is right in our eyes, we end up doing what is wrong. Do what's right in your eyes. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her or afflicted her. And that's the same kind of treatment that's the same kind of treatment that the Israelites are going to experience in Egypt later. Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So basically what happened was Sarah had a plan. She enacted the plan. The plan backfired. And so Sarah said, hit the road, Hagar, hit the road. You're out of here. Well, at this point, we have to, we have to understand that, that God's different than we are. His attitude, his actions, his, we, we were talking about this in Sunday school, his, his, his disposition is different than ours. Here you have a, a, a man, Abram, not even taking responsibility for, for what he did. How common is that in our culture? A man who spreads his seed around, but doesn't take responsibility. Now here's a new, here's a new Adam, a new Adam with a new opportunity to obey God. How do you feel about Abram? How do you feel about him? Christians, how do you feel about Abraham at this point? This man of God, this man who's just demonstrated this great faith that's justified him. How do you feel about Abraham at this point? Are you appalled? I am. I'm appalled. I'm angry at him. How can you do that? How can you just have, just have sex with a, with, with a girl and, and just because it doesn't turn out well in your family, you send her away? You send her out into the wilderness. Aren't you glad God's not like that? How do you know God's not like that? Keep reading. Thank you, Jeff. 
Slave lives matter. The angel of the Lord found her. You can't find something. I almost feel bad about this. You can't find something if you're not looking for it. That means he was looking. That means he was in pursuit. of a discarded slave girl who in the end really didn't, didn't matter to the plan of God. Or did she? The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Herod, s- servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? It's not like he needed to know. He was just giving her an opportunity. She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Now the reason that she's going to return to her mistress and submit is because of the name of her child. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called, the well where she was found was called, Ver Lakai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And what it means is the well of the living God who sees. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So the text is inviting us to go to walk back to Abraham's tents. Where there would be Sarah and her Egyptian maidservant who was now pregnant, who would have a baby. Sarah. The whole the whole household would be there. But the servant and her child would be there. And Sarah would occasionally, if not regularly, hear, Ishmael! And what does Ishmael mean? God hears. And what else do you notice about God in this passage? God speaks. 
And what else do you notice in this passage? God sees. He's the living God who hears, who speaks, who sees. Sarah, Abram, God hears. God sees. God speaks. God hears. God sees. God speaks. We come into these, we, we, we come across, we, we, we encounter, we we our life intersects with these with these tensions, these pressures, these stresses, these strains. Life is not supposed to be easy. It's a cursed world. We look forward to a world without the curse. Until then, we live with the curse in this world, and we can live free from the from, from the curse and from its most damaging element, which is which is death. We can be we can be we can rise from the dead. But we still struggle. There's still pressure. Anybody in the room that doesn't experience pressure? Pressure either that is, is applied from outside of you or pressure that is from within. Pressure that you put on yourself. Pressure that others put on you. All kinds of pressure. Pressure just surrounds us. We live with pressure, pressure, pressure. And within that pressure, we have to make good decisions. And sometimes, uh, when, when, when that happens, we want to make a decision in our interests that contradicts what God wants for us. And what God is expressing to all of us, I hear, I see, I speak. He is a living God. He's not a piece of wood, not a piece of metal, not an abstract theory. He's a living being who interacts with his people. If you are in an impossible situation, what should you do as one who has been saved by a living God. You should look. You should listen. You should speak. Right? Hagar becomes a... Hagar and Ishmael become a... a, a a constant reminder to Sarah that, that God can do the impossible. And, and our responsibility is to maintain contact with this God who wants so much to be in contact with us regularly. He sees, He hears, He speaks. So what am I telling you? 
wherever there's pressure and strain in your life, talk to God about it. As you think about what you expect from life, talk to God about it. Maybe what God expects for you is not what you expect for yourself. He has the right, because He's God, to determine our expectations. When there's an impossible situation that you just can't wrap your mind around, and if you can't wrap your mind around it, you can't strategize to to take care of it, you can't plan to take care of it, it's too big for you. God sees, God hears, God speaks. And He loves everybody. He loved an Egyptian slave girl enough to follow her to the desert and told her it was going to be okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that, that, that even now as I speak to you, I have confidence 